0: Let me tell you what this political movement is about.
1: Jobs and growth for all
2: Australians. It's on jobs and growth, have great jobs. Economic growth, strong growth, more jobs.
3: When they go low, we go high. So I'm seeing in my mind something very similar with
2: this bill to a colonoscopy. And Let me fair just stop enough. you so you don't waste a line of questioning. I'm just giving you... <laughs> I love the man explaining. I would build a great wall and nobody builds
1: walls better than me, believe me.
2: Please clap. Please clap.
1: The This is represent. represent.
3: Represent. 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 Represent.
0: On SID Nation.
3: Good afternoon and welcome. I'm Julia. I'm Tash. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. On this very special edition of Represent, we are joined by Dylan White, an executive member of the Victorian Young Labor Party, and Josh Manatu, um, the federal vice president and policy chairman of the federal Young Liberals, to discuss the big issues in politics this week. On today's show, we'll be looking at the proposed changes to Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act. We'll be looking at changes to state and territory legislation, such as the repealing of gay panic laws in Queensland and changes to abortion laws in Northern Territory. And we'll also be looking at the fairness of the welfare system in light of Senator Jackie Lambie's speech to Parliament this week. We can join in the conversation too. Tweet to us at SinRepresent or follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. So, first, we just wanted to start off with
0: an open question. But, um, hi, Dylan. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining us today.
2: You're welcome.
0: Um, so the first question is sort of an open question to both of you but I wanted to start with Josh. What does it mean to you to be a member of the Liberal Party? And I'd also like to pose this question to you Dylan also um, but Josh you first
2: um, Well for me being a member of the Liberal Party um, is an opportunity to try and uh, go about making positive changes to the community for um, all people and from my point of view I'm being the young Liberal Vice President I seek to champion the ideals and values that we have as young Liberals and uh, to push for positive policy change in those areas.
3: Yeah, um, and Dylan, why, why why are you a member of the Labour Party? What does being a member of the Labour Party
1: mean to you? <laughs> um, look, clearly it, it sort of means a lot. It's almost impossible or pretty hard to, to find an interest in politics, but I probably see myself as more than just a member of the Labour Party. That's That's one facet of it, but I see myself as a a member or a, or a piece of a, a wider movement, probably the Labor movement, um, in a more, more holistic sense. Um, the Labor Party you know, is a political wing of the, um, of the Labor movement, but yeah, I do see myself as probably part of a, a larger movement. Um, look, the reason for is, is probably for me, um, getting good, good policy outcomes for working, working Australians, uh, making sure people have good, high-paying jobs, um, full-time jobs, um, and they're able to put food on, on their family's table.
3: Yeah. Um, do you think there is considerable divide between the left and right ideologies? Do you think that's a concern, a cause for concern, or do you think that's just been the same as it's always been? Um, we'll, we'll start with Dylan first.
1: Um, look, we've probably seen a rise in um, maybe the sort of far-right type of politics or Tea Party type of politics that you, you would traditionally see in an American um, sort of political system, Um I think there's always been a divide between the right and the left in terms of ideologies, um, and they will continue to be probably more complex than that um, as you have different ideologies on, on both sides of politics. Um, but, yeah, we've definitely seen, I think, a rise in, in um, sort of more far-right um, um, sort of politics, you Corey Cory Bernardi's Pauline Hanson types. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that divide will always be there, yeah, for sure.
3: Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on the divide between the left and the right?
2: Well, I think there is um, a divide. There's obviously always been a divide, but I think the divide has gotten a bit wider in recent years, mainly because the Labor Party have gone further to the left. I mean, we've seen recent times over the last three or four years um, from a position uh, in the, you know, Rudd-Gillard period, which was, from my perspective, not necessarily what I consider the ideal, but since then they've uh, they've taken strides to the left on uh, many policy areas. Meanwhile, I think the Liberal Party has been relatively constant um, all the way through and speaking up to uh, things that are important to us um, and uh, our core people, or as Robert Menzies calls them, the forgotten people. But I think there is that divide. It is growing, but it's largely due to the left getting more Milton towards the left. Yeah, look,
1: I think, just to respond to that, if that's possible, um, look, I think the Labor Party, particularly federally, um, have probably taken or, or um, had more of an emphasis on industrial relations, probably since, since Bill Short took over as leader. Um, to say that that's moving further to the left, I don't think is necessarily correct. Um, just taking, um, yeah, having a, a larger focus on industrial relations and making sure that, um, you know, people are treated fairly in their workplace doesn't necessarily mean it would go further to the left. It just means that we've shifted a policy focus. Um, there's any greater divide? It's, it's certainly. Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly from the the far right that we're seeing, you know, Corey Bernardi, in Hansen, and the likes. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Um, so, as members, both of you guys are members of quite large established parties in Australia. What do you think of the rise of anti establishment parties and political figures such as Trump, um, Marine Le Pen, Get Wilders, and One Nation in Australia? Do you think that there's a growing like the divide is less about left and right, but more about establishment versus anti establishment? I'm going to start with Josh here. Well,
2: I think they're um, right around the world. We've seen um, a going towards. I guess against the establishment. Um, and that's, I think, been on display with, um, in terms of uh, the um, Trump victory in the UK, Brexit, things like that. People, I think, want to take back control. They feel like they don't have control. Um, but I think there's a task for all parties to, and in particular for the Liberal Party, to try and reconnect uh, with its base. In the Western Australian election recently, you saw um, that One Nation got a bigger vote in the upper house than the Greens did, which I think shows that there are a lot of people that um, are minded towards the right side of politics, but we need to give them a, a better home in the Liberal Party, make it clear to them that they are welcome and, um, uh, in our party and to uh, encourage them to do so.
3: And Dylan, do you think that there's a increased um, issue between the establishment versus the anti-establishment movement? within well, the Liberal Party, uh, Labor Party? I
1: mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as establishment versus anti-establishment. I'm not sure that um, people that are, that are um, drawn to these parties are necessarily drawn to them because they're anti-establishment. Um, they just seem... Uh, they're seen by some to be tackling issues that people actually care about. Um, look, there's some people um, who have been traditional voters to both parties, I would suggest, that are slightly disillusioned and they're looking for something different. Um, and they were looking for a, for a party that um, that will that will fix their needs. The, the issue is um, with someone such as such as Pauline Hanson or Donald Trump, for instance. Um, you know, people that, that may have moved away from our party and, and will begin to support their party. You know, have done so on the basis of, um, of some industrial relations stuff and also some, some sort of xenophobic type of um type of policy agendas. The issue is, in particular with Pauline Hanson, eventually these people are going to want Pauline Hanson to fix their problem for them. And she doesn't have the ability to do so. So um, I still think it's a bit of a flash in the pan like it was last time. Um, and we'll see move um, parties, I'm sorry, voters move back towards um, more traditional parties.
0: All right, well, we're just going to go to another song, uh, go to a song now. Um, we're going to go to Client Liaison with Canberra Won't Be Calling tonight. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. We'll be back after this. You just heard Canberra won't be calling tonight by client liaison. You are listening to represent on Sin Nation. We are joined by Dylan White, an executive member of Victorian Young Labor, and Josh Manuatu from the Federal Young Liberals to give both sides of prominent political issues currently circulating. So we're going to go on to the topic of that's been discussed at length this week um, is the proposed changes or the changes made to Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act, which would see... Um, the words offend and insult be taken away and replaced with just uh, insult, offend and humiliate and replaced with harass. So harass has a lot of weight in this regard. Um, Malcolm Turnbull has said the changes to the act will strengthen it, not undermine it. And previously he said he wouldn't be making changes um, when he was elected, but um, has changed changed tact. So we just wanted to ask um, both of you, do you think that... Uh, the Act, as it was, drew a fair line between freedom of speech and freedom from racial vilification. And going on from that, what effect will the new changes to the Act have in curbing racial discrimination and advancing um, our right to freedom of speech? So, Josh, I'll start with you.
2: Well, we think uh, that the changes are good. Um, We were deeply concerned about um, what had become of the Racial Discrimination Act, and specifically Section 18C, and you just have to look at the QUT case where four, four students from QUT uh, were taken, uh, dragged through courts and tribunals for three years. It cost them around $30,000 to do so, just to be found innocent, all over a Facebook post. So we think that where the Act currently stands uh, is problematic. It does um, allow for young people to basically put uh, a threat of these kinds of actions over Facebook posts. And we think that's wrong. Um, We think the Act as well, as it stands with the very subjective terms of offence and insult uh, in particular, um, basically getting to the realm of hurt feelings as opposed to what um, these kinds of acts should be stopping, which is harassment and intimidation, which is what the government's put forward.
0: So Um, I just wanted to ask um, on that point, when you say insult um, and sort of put them in the mindset of hurt feelings, the Act 1A of the Act does say, if it's reasonably likely in all circumstances, so it is. It is like extraneous circumstances. It's not. Um, it's not light-hearted in the word insult, though.
2: Yeah, but if you have a look at um, what was posted on Facebook by the QUT students, which, sure they were found guilty, uh, found innocent. But after three years of court, after spending thirty thousand dollars on legal fees and the reputational damage that goes with it, and we think that's wrong. Um, we think that. Uh, you shouldn't be dragged through court for all of those kinds of things. Similarly with the Bill League case, where there was a very clear exemption under Section 18D, we still had the Race Discrimination Commissioner going out soliciting complaints, um, getting it to a point where lawyers needed to be involved, or for the complaint to be dropped. So um, the explanatory memorandum can say all it likes, but in fact, this act is being used to, in effect, um, bully people through process.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Um, so I mean, just just firstly, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, this is a government that went to an election with the slogan jobs and growth. Um, yeah, that that promised the nation that they were going to provide better jobs, um, and they were going to, going to grow the economy. We've just seen an entire week in parliament um, where the government has concentrated the argument about and AIDC did not deliver one job for Australia. It doesn't give one Australian a pay rise. It doesn't turn a change, one Australian, from casual work to full-time work. It is an absolute farce. And and, um, Scott Morrison said the exact same thing two weeks ago. So just on that point, I just wanted to say that. It's a complete waste of time. Um, In terms of changing the wording, I mean, to insult and offend is subjective, yeah, fine. To harass is also subjective. I don't think the change will really do a thing. It's pretty simple for me. don't be racist. Don't um, say things of a racist, a racist nature to people to offend them, to harass them, to insult them. This, the entire thing is ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, it's a waste of time, and it's not something we should be concentrating on. People are losing their jobs. Ford's just closed down. Alcoa's closed down. old and, Alden and uh, Toyota closed down at the end of this year. Let's concentrate on getting those people's jobs instead of repealing an act of parliament. Of, yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, but,
2: but, oh, but, Dylan, go, government governments can you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. And, you know, um, and I've noted with interest this week that Mark Dreyfus, um, you know, Labor went to the election promising jobs as well. Mark Dreyfus is wanting to radically change uh, anti-discrimination laws across the board to bring in whole new cohorts to be covered by similar provisions to be defended and insult. So, you know, it's all well and good for you to say the government should be po- focused on jobs. But when the opposition's not, uh, you know, is in this space as well, uh, you know, I think it diminishes any credibility you might have.
1: Yeah, the opposition isn't governing, though. Um, it's, it's a pretty telltale or clear sign who's actually running the government, isn't it? Two weeks ago, um, Scott Morrison and Melbourne Journal said that they wouldn't be changing this; it's a non-issue, and they're not concentrating on it. Suddenly, in two weeks, it's the biggest issue of all time, and it has to be—you know—it has to be changed. This will not improve the life of one Australian. Well, I think
2: it does improve the lives of a lot of Australians because it's vital that we have laws on the books that actually do what they're meant to do, which is stop. Uh, racial harassment and racial intimidation, uh, yep. and also protect uh, people who have been uh, had their reputations trashed, tra- trashed uh, dragged through courts, um, seeing uh, all sorts of things said about them in papers and the rest, for uh, a tune of about $30,000, um, all to be found innocent, I think that's a problem. And, you know, if was, this was any other space, um, I'm sure that there'd be a unity ticket between the Labor Party and the Liberal Party Saying you shouldn't be, nobody should be subjected to court for four years, have huge amounts of money uh, having to be thrown into it over whether someone uh, basically has hurt feelings just to be found innocent. We think that's well, wrong. Yeah, but, I, I think if it was any other space, Bill, and you'd be agreeing with me. But um, my point, back to the point, the government can do more than one thing at a time. The government is focused on creating jobs uh, and uh, building a stronger economy as well as ensuring that this fundamental principle, which our nation was founded on, of free speech, is uh, protected.
3: Anyway, we are actually going to go to another topic right now, but um, definitely 18C is a huge issue right now, um, whether we want it to be or not, or whether we think there's more important things or... If it's just what we need to talk about right now or not, but um, on to other federal news now. This week, Senator Jackie Lambie had an impassioned speech on her life as a single mother on the DSP after being medically discharged from the army. In this speech, she pleaded with the major parties to vote against the push to freeze the family tax benefits, amounting which is amounting to two point sorry one point three billion dollars. Rather, um, this did pass through the Senate, however, but. The point is, do you think that our current welfare system is fair? And if not, what should be changed to make it fairer for Australians? I'm going to start with Dylan here.
1: Yeah, it's a really tricky question, isn't it? Um, look, to be to be quite frank, um, you know, cutting the, the single-parent pension, um, it's probably debate that new starts out at the moment. Whether it's fair or not, it's incredibly hard to live on. Um Jackie Lambie speech, and it probably went straight to the heart of it. Um, it's not easy being on welfare, um, every cent counts. Um, if you catch even the, the, the smallest cut, it can, it can throw your life into complete chaos. Um, I think there probably does need to be some reform, um, in Australia's welfare system, exactly what that looks like, I'm not 100% sure at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, it is incredibly hard to be on welfare. My heart goes out to anyone that's on it. Um,
3: but yeah, yeah. Um, just as you were saying that, um, you know, the, the Labour Party is meant to, you know, it's it is a part of the Labour movement and it is, you know, being very much focused on welfare. Do you think that um, the Labour Party can still call themselves, you know, a, a a party for the welfare system, even though there's a lot of tension from other um, smaller political parties who are saying that maybe you guys aren't doing as much as necessary on welfare.
1: Reform? Well, let's be quite frank. Let's be quite frank. We we're a party founded out of the, out of the, uh, the trade union movement, and um, we weren't a party founded um, out of you know out of trying to protect the welfare system. Please don't get me wrong. I believe in welfare. Um, I believe it's incredibly important that people on welfare um, are not only able to live properly, but they're given dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but to suggest that. Somehow we're not the Labor Party anymore because we may not have done something on welfare that, that some people think that
3: we may have. I think it's a pretty ridiculous statement, to be quite yep, frank. Yep, yep. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on the, the welfare system as it stands?
2: Well, I think, um, I, I must say, I was very uh, sympathetic to Senator Lambie's speech um, insofar as um, I grew up in a single-parent household that was welfare-dependent as well, and I know the sacrifices that my mother made, and they sound very similar to the sacrifices that Senator Lambie made. Um, mm-hmm. Or beat. I think the government's changes were, um, every every decision the government makes, especially in this space, is incredibly difficult. And I think the way the government went about this in terms of a freeze so that no families are actually worse off um, in the immediate, uh, immediate term is a positive way to go about these things. Um, on the whole, whether the welfare system is... Um, as sympathetic as what people would like um, is a pretty difficult question. I think we've got uh, to take account of the fact that we've got a record level of debt and deficit at the moment in this country which we need to deal with to ensure that our generation and our children's generation don't have more to pay back. Um, but I think we do, you know, ultimately the best form of welfare is a job and anything the government can do to get people uh, into work so that they're uh, looking after themselves, in effect, is a good thing, which also means that, you know, if you've got more people in work, then you can seriously look at um, whether you can make some further adjustments to welfare. But I think in terms of um, fixing this issue into the future, the best way, step one, is trying to maximise uh, employment as much as you can, and then you can have a further look at uh, the welfare question uh, when hopefully there's a less reliance on it. But on the whole, uh, welfare is there to be... Mostly a safety net rather than a hammock, and we need to do all we can to get people from that safety net back into work, which is what we, you know, want and expect of all
1: people. So the the, the issue there is, and and it, and it's what I touched on before. To be able to do that, you actually have to be creating jobs and you have to be lowering the unemployment rate. And the government's not doing that. Um, I completely agree that you want as many people in work as you possibly can. Universal employment is a great thing to strive towards. Um, mm. But yeah, to sit there and say that it's not supposed to be a safety net, and <clears throat> almost saying that making um, cuts to welfare might encourage people to go and get a job is a pretty ridiculous statement. It, oh, and, I fine that's, fine of, that's not that's of, not what I said. That's not what I said.
2: Uh, I said that we need to make sure that uh, welfare, in in particular, uh, unemployment benefits are seen are seen are seen as a. That's right. Well, it should be a safety net, not a hammock. What you don't want, um, it it doesn't make good public policy sense for people uh, to become unemployed and sit on welfare uh, for years and years. What you want from a public policy point of view is people who become unemployed uh, to try and get back into the workforce as quickly as possible. And we as taxpayers are prepared to support people in that intervening period, um, but it shouldn't be uh, in the longer term. And, And so... There are a whole scheme of things that the government's doing to try and encourage people to get into work and to create more jobs, but those things don't happen overnight. And you know, simply note, um, Dylan, while you try and lay every bad thing that's ever happened at the heels of uh, the current government, um, the unemployment rate was exceptionally low when Labor came to office in 2007, and by the end of the, uh, that Labor government, it had increased exponentially. Um, and sure, things like a financial things,
1: crisis, though, didn't we? Well,
2: yeah, in the first three years you're in government for six, but let's just, you know, things, let's be clear about this, Um, there isn't as many, uh, the unemployment rate isn't as low as what I would like, um, and there's more that can be done, uh, and that's what uh, the government's seeking to do, and I guess in the budget we'll see uh, the government doing more, but, you know... On the welfare question, we need to be doing uh, as much as we can to get people into work as a starting point mm-hmm. uh, and then looking at welfare on the whole.
3: Anyway, well, this was a really interesting discussion, and I just want to say that um, you can also get involved too. Uh, don't forget to tweet to us at Sin Represent or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sin Represent. It is now time for a song. We are going to be playing um, The Prodigy with Breathe, and we'll be back um, with our special guests uh, after the song. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. I love my love
0: That was Breathe by the Prodigy. You're listening to represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. Uh, This week, the Queensland Parliament abolished the Gay Panic Defence, which is a defence allowed um, when it comes to the killing of a gay man or a bisexual man to be downgraded to manslaughter by pleading that the victim had made unwanted sexual advances towards them. So um, this... Uh, law is used as a partial defence in murder. The Tasmania, the ACT, Victoria uh, and the Northern Territory Parliaments removed this defence over a decade ago. The uh, WA in 2008 and New South Wales in just 2014. Um, And South Australia is still using this defence which is... um, The last man standing in terms of this law with the uh, South Australian Law Society saying that it's unfortunate that provocation has been labelled the gay panic defence. The current law recognises that people can lose complete control of their actions when provoked, citing previous instances of abuse that may um, act as a trigger of sorts. So we wanted to ask what you think um, of the Queensland government's uh, decision to make um, to repeal this law. If it was the right choice, what do you guys think? Josh Fest.
2: Uh, I think it was positive um, and I'm glad that it's happened. I think uh, I imagine that South Australia will follow suit and I look forward to that happening as well. But um, yeah, I think it was something that was good and I know that it passed through the parliament uh, basically with uh, both the major parties supporting it. Um, all too often, um, you know, state laws in particular, but laws stay on the books for far too long and it's not until something comes up that. You know, might highlight it, and that seems to be what's happened here. Um, and so, yeah, it's a positive, and I, I just hope that South Australia follows suit. Yep,
3: yeah. and um, Dylan, your thoughts on that as well?
1: Yeah. So look, obviously, I agree with Josh. Um, it's a positive move. It's a positive step. Man, I, I never knew that this law existed until this week. <laughs> I was absolutely dumbfounded. Um, clearly, a law that was um, that was brought in in this country a long, long, long time ago um, it has gone under the radar for a long time, and um, um, and it's only just been just been changed, but yeah, look, obviously it's a positive step, and um, thank God that there wasn't a, a situation where um, where someone was actually able to use this defence. You know,
3: Actually, which um, <laughs> mentioned that that um, that that the, the, the um, it has the, a quite unfortunate history. It um, does have quite an unfortunate history, and the obviously. fact that um, so what happened is in 2008, uh, Wayne Rux was beaten to death um, on the grounds of a Queensland church, and the killers claimed the gay panic defence. Um, however, the priest of that church, Paul Kelly, had walked w- has um, worked towards reform. Um, he had a petition which garnered three thousand. Sorry, one. Sorry, three hundred thousand rather um, signatures, and this is the the thing that's been pushed to um uh, reform. actually reform it in um, Queensland. Just as a little fact check, so um, between nineteen ninety three and nineteen ninety five in in New, in New South Wales alone, about three thirteen defend thirteen defendants succeeded with the gay panic defence. So it is a law that has been used quite quite a lot um but how do you think that the south australian government should go about reforming or repealing these laws um i'll I'll just start with dylan
1: i mean an act of parliament obviously like josh said i would be reasonably confident that they'll follow, follow suit um relatively quickly um they're a pretty progressive government in adelaide um Look, I can't imagine it would be a great deal of public outcry like there wasn't, um, like I don't think there has been in Queensland. Um, and look, I think it would be obviously a, a pretty good law to reform all around the country and have um, and have that in line with the rest of the states.
3: Yep. And um, any more thoughts on this, Josh?
2: Yeah, I imagine um, what's happened is, uh, and you know, with Queensland, it wasn't until that 2008 case and then the campaign that was run by um, the church where uh, it all happened, Uh, that kind of brought this into the public domain. But in South Australia, I understand it has to be used for some time. So I suspect it's one of those things that if um, people were alert to it, it would have been done a long time ago. Um, It just hasn't gotten there. And I think Queensland's uh, repealing it. The uh, Act will put it uh, front and centre for South Australia. So hopefully they're paying attention.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, we also wanted to uh, talk, touch on briefly the refor- uh, repealing of the abortion, decriminalising of abortion in Northern Territory. Sorry. Um, so they passed a law decriminalising and legalising medical termination of uh, pregnancy, and the bill passed 20 votes to four. Um, but there has been um, a slight backlash um concerning some members, so member for Nelson, Gary Wood, an independent member for Blaine, Terry Mills, opposed the bill, saying it was creating a stolen generation in itself, with Gary Wood saying, isn't that domestic violence against the unborn human? Why don't we make a fuss about that? And I just wanted to see what you both thought of that statement. That's pretty um, uh, explosive rhetoric to use um, in terms of women's rights.
2: Well, there are strong views in the community, on this issue um right across the board um and i think it's a very sensitive issue um there's obviously uh people in the community who feel very strongly that uh it is termination of a life and therefore um would argue very strongly on us and i you know absolutely respect that view as much as i respect that other people have other views um my personal view is that um abortion should be safe legal and rare um but it's not something we should be necessarily encouraging but it is something that um, we need to recognise does need to happen in very rare circumstances, but um, that rhetoric I think is up to the individuals, and um, yeah, I just say it's a very emotive topic um, that people of all persuasions get very uh, motivated by. So I can understand how they would reach that view.
3: And Dylan, your thoughts? Yeah,
1: look, well, and it, it, it is a very explosive comment. Um, that potential to be an explosive subject. Obviously, um, I do believe in a woman's right to choose. Um, and look, yeah, it is fair to say, look, it's not something that should be encouraged, but I completely um, I believe in a woman's right um, to choose. Um, yeah, look, like Josh said, it is a very sensitive subject, so I'm not going to delve too much into it in that respect. Um, but yeah, look, a comment like that does have the potential to be incredibly offensive to a lot of people. Mm. Um, and I think probably the vote in Parliament is probably pretty um, um, representative of, of people's um, views on the issue.
3: Yeah. So um, with both the issues of gay panic laws and abortion decriminalisation, state by state, the legislation around these issues can differ substantially. And this is these are just two examples of issues that are very different state by state. Um, things like energy and, and other issues can also be um, very different. So... with that in mind do you think that there should be um more like consistency between states and territories or do you think that the right of states to have different laws on certain issues should be maintained or you know like how how where do we draw the line between states having power to have their own laws and also um consistency across the country i'm going to start with dylan on this one
1: yeah, so the separation of responsibilities in Australia can be quite complex. Um, I've seen plenty of examples of that, um, and there probably uh, there probably is or are some policies that um, probably do need to be more consistent state to state. we have also got to be really careful, though, of handing too much power or absolute power to the federal government. we party's kind governing, so that's sort of irrelevant. But um, but yeah, look, there probably is some room. Um, yeah, for some, for some policy to be more consistent. But, yeah, um, I think it's also um, it's pretty important that, that states are able to maintain power um, with some other policies. So, yeah, it's sort of
3: horse horses the line. And, Josh, your thoughts?
2: Uh, I'm very much a federalist. So uh, I'm very keen on states having as much power as uh, is possible. I think we've got, um, you know, in the Constitution things laid out as um, the, the way things should operate. I think over time though, we've seen uh, a bit of a moving away from that to an extent, and we've seen a lot of blurring of the lines on certain things, especially in the health and education spaces where um, both the state and Commonwealth governments try to fund things. I think that that needs to be a, a bit of a clearer, or we need to return to a bit of a clearer delineation between who's responsible for what, so that um, you can get the full benefits of competitive federalism, and I just, uh, would say as well, you know, on these two issues um, that we've mentioned, um, they are, as a result of competitive federalism and states, have, um, in effect, sought to uh, kind of outdo each other to get the best possible laws in their view. And I think that's something that is actually good for the country but um, right across the board. So I think, yeah, anything you can do to encourage um, the federation and uh, competitive federalism is a good thing. And I agree with Dylan, uh, but, you know, Canberra having more power isn't necessarily a good thing.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, we have been talking about some really is- uh, interesting and prominent issues um, across the country and the world. You can be involved too. Send us a tweet to at represent or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash represent. We're going to go to another song. This is That Poppy with Low Life. That was that Poppy with Low Life. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Don't forget to tweet to us at Sin Represent or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash represent, Sin Represent. Got to remember the sin at the beginning. It's now <laughs> time
3: for Pop Chat. <laughs> Woo, Pop Chat. My favourite segment. And um, so we'll, um, we'll just start with Josh. So we we usually just have little discussions about um, interesting bits of news that you might have forgotten about in the week or um, things that, you know, people need to remember. Um, You know, we have such a heavy... When we have really heavy, you know, weeks of news and we have to remember certain things that happen that we will forget. Um, So, Josh, what do you you have for this week?
2: Well, I think um, the... It wasn't really a small story, but the um, terror attack in London this week uh, where 40 people were mowed down outside Westminster um, and you know, the footage pretty much straight away after it showed at least three or four people around every single person that was on the ground, which I think speaks volumes to uh, the community spirit and and to the um, kind of our way of life in supporting people that, you know, might have been hurt or injured. And I must say the same horrible thing, or a similar horrible thing that happened in Melbourne uh, a little while ago. It was the exact same experience. Those that um, weren't injured, ran into danger to help people to put down. And I think that's just
1: inspiring, really.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan, do you have anything for this week?
1: Um, yeah, so uh, it's probably something that's um, a little bit close to my heart in some respects. Um, it was the end of the, the Parmalat dispute in Chuka. So um, just to give it a little bit of background, um, Parmalat's a multinational dairy company, basically, that produce yogurt, things like that, Chuka. So they'd locked their workers out um, during EBA negotiations. Um, So the guys were on the, and and girls were on the picket line for 67 days um, during the week. Um, Parmalat agreed to the log of claims um, from the union and its workers, um, uh, gave them a fair deal, and now they're back at work. Um, It was a pretty uh, good example, Um, again, of the trade union movement as a whole, probably pulling together a bit. You know, they had guys. Driving down from Newcastle, um, you know, just to be on the picket line with them for 24 hours, just to show their solidarity. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can say what you want about the trade union movement, and people have their gripes with it, um, and that's fine. But um, when something like this happens, um, you know, they they always pull together and, and look after the people on the picket line and make sure they can still feed their families, which is a great thing.
0: Well, it's a nice positive twist to a, an otherwise darker news Both week. Both
3: stories were a little bit dark at the
0: beginning and then a bit of positivity yeah, the end. Yeah, a bit yep. positive. Tash, but- do you have a pop chat? Well, I have Trump Care is Dead. Trump Care um, is Dead. Which has uh, incurred a lot of uh, memes and internet entertainment, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, Memes are everything now. They really um, are. So the Republican healthcare plan was set to go to the House, but the Republican leaders pulled the legislation um, when they realised they weren't going to get support. So um, I just thought that was very interesting because repealing and replacing Obamacare was one of Trump's major campaign promises, and um, it didn't work out that way. Um, so there's been a lot of contention over whether this will be a a good bill, whether it will be just Obamacare but with Trump care. No, replacing the name or what? What it would be? So, we'll see what happens
3: with yeah, the okay. we'll, we'll see, see what it. happens. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, pop chat, pop chat. What do I have for pop chat? Um, it's been a really big week. I just, I don't, I don't. This is not the pop chat, but it's just a general, just statement of fact. It's been a really big week in politics this week. I know we say this every single week, but it actually has been. Um. And I, I have to kind of touch again on um, what Josh said. Like, um, like that that terrorist attack was quite terrifying, and it was quite nice to see a lot of people kind of, I guess, again running into danger and, and helping people, um, helping people out um, when something quite horrifying has happened. Um, and especially like there was one particular MP whose name I can't remember who um, did mouth to mouth, and I think that was pretty amazing that they did that, and. You know, people, even his political rivals have been saying he's like a great person and like well done and on him for doing that. Um, Trump care again was really big. But yeah, it's been a big week. But. Unfortunately, it is time for us to finish up the show. Um, That's all we have time for and represent this week. You can follow us on Twitter at SinRepresent or on Facebook on facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent for more political content throughout the week. We have polls, we have content, and we share things from all over the internet. We share memes, we share all the things. Um, we podcast all of our shows through Omni and iTunes. You may even be listening to our podcast right now as we speak. Um, so look out for the podcast with the orange logo, Sin um, Represent or Represent at Sin. Um, tune in next week for more political discussions, same time. Um 3 to 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Time um, on Sin Nation. I'm Julia. I'm Tash. And thank you so much, Josh and Dylan, for joining us today. Um, it was really,
0: really, really awesome. great discussion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure.
3: Okay. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Cool. Thanks, guys.